It's time once again for another episode of Georgia Business Radio. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel studios in Atlanta. And now here's your host, Rich Casanova. All right, it's that time of the day once again for another exciting episode of Georgia Business Radio. Uh, Rich Casanova here alongside Craig Williams. Uh, Craig, are we ready or what? We are <laughs> beyond ready, it's, um, especially with these awesome guests. Yeah, so uh, we just recently had in the folks from the SBA. We're going to kind of continue the conversation about small businesses throughout um, Atlanta, throughout the country. And uh, that's our job here for the Georgia Business Radio is to spotlight uh, the good uh, efforts of what's happening in business here in Georgia. So having said that, um, we have a couple of special guests here, uh, subject matter experts joining us. Um, Laura Hodson, president and CEO of NowCorp. Uh, now Wallet, the first payment solution for businesses that sell to other businesses and governments. We'll be speaking with her in just a moment. And um, uh, Brian, Brian Preston. Yeah. Brian's uh, joining us in the studio, and you're the founder of? Wayman Luther. All right. What and uh, we're going to speak with Laura in just a second, but Brian, give us a little teaser what uh, you might be chatting about. Yeah, so Lehman Luther, we're a local custom furniture builder right here in Atlanta. We employ guys that are transitioning out of homelessness and addiction. Um, we also um, got some really cool projects coming up, working at the new Falcon Stadium. Yeah. But we're, we're also uh, doing something really amazing at LeaderCast. I think they're one of your sponsors yeah, yeah. And, and partners. We're actually giving away a tiny house. I'm yeah. not sure if you've seen this. Oh, no, we've yeah. I've seen that. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've seen that. Oh, yeah. That's, that's so a trip. We're giving away a tiny house to raise money for a foundation to yeah. uh, actually house a lot of that. We checked that out on the website. And we had um, some folks in recently speaking about tiny houses. And uh, um, so we'll continue that conversation in just a moment. But um, first up in the studio, um, Laura, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So um, uh, you've got quite an impressive uh, bio here. I'm going to hit on a couple of points and feel free to fill in some of the gaps here. But uh, so uh, president and CEO of NowCorp. So um, we're going to get into that conversation. But in a nutshell, when folks ask you, what, what is that? What do you all do? How would you answer that? So now account is the first payment solution that allows a small business that's billing other businesses or governments to get paid immediately in a way that's not a loan, it's not factoring, it feels like taking a credit card for payment and it's invisible to your customer. Wow. So you can stop being a bank. Nice. <laughs> and uh, you got about a two-page bio. Craig, uh, why don't you pick something off there that jumps off the page uh, for you? That Dewberry Capital Corporation, you know, you – I heard a little bit about that mm -hmm. um, early on at the uh, State of the Union with uh, the SBA and our Mr. Cassis Butts, Cassis. And, <laughs> and you carried yourself, Miss Lady. You oh, really thank carried you. yourself <laughs> on that stage with all those men. <laughs> and I was very impressed. I have four daughters, so I'm, you know, a hero type thank for, for, you. for me. So yeah. tell me a little bit about your history and how you got into um, the financial industry. Well, so I've, I've really never had a job someone had before me. So, um, you know, years ago I graduated with an aerospace enge engineering degree from Georgia Tech, so it's great for all the rocket science jokes. When people <laughs> right. say this isn't rocket science, I'm like, no worries, got that covered. Yeah. Go Jackets. That's right, go Jackets. Um, but really what I realized early on is that I love problem solving, but I didn't want to design a wing for the rest of my life. And so I ended up going off to business school up in Boston at Harvard, and when I came back to Atlanta, um, I, I just love tackling impossible problems. And I think that all innovation comes from the demand side of a problem, mm -hmm. not the supply side. Gotcha. So almost nothing that I've done is an industry I'd been in before. 
but it's a problem that I had. So you're so a pioneer. You create uh, the solution for those things. So you're sometimes I'm either a pioneer or I have unmedicated ADD, <laughs> and I'm yeah, not right. sure which one it is. <laughs> I, I suffer um, from a little bit of that <laughs> as well. But, you know, most recently when I became a mom, I had started a product company with a product I designed and patented for children. And as we were growing that business and selling into larger and larger customers, I just realized this crazy thing. They don't pay you. Uh, I mean, that would be novel, right? <laughs> yeah, Here's yeah. a product. Give me money. That's I mean, that's right. what happens when I go to breakfast. <laughs> right. um, but people were just taking longer and longer to pay. And everyone told me that I should just go get a loan. And that would solve everything. And the engineer in me said, wait a minute, that doesn't really solve the problem. I mean, it gives me cash, sure, but now I have debt on my business, mm -hmm. and what I'm really doing is lending it to my customers. And I think the, the two things I realized is, one, more businesses grow out of business than go out of business. Exactly. And number two, small businesses we think of as borrowers are the largest lender in this country. Yeah, we wrong. lend more. In fact, as we are sitting here today, Small businesses hold over $1.2 trillion, with a T, mm. dollars of trade credit. Wow. So you think of us as borrowers, but we're lenders. Now, uh, reaching abroad, I mean, you've been, you know, Lebanon, Japan. How did that happen? I mean, what? You know, the funny thing is I did not grow up traveling internationally. In fact, you know, growing up in Clarkston, Georgia, our vacation <laughs> was loading the station wagon <laughs> and going to my grandparents' house gotcha. in New York. And so when I got to Georgia Tech, uh, it's funny, I was on a track scholarship, and my advisor came to me one day and said, there's this amazing program that the Defense Department is doing, and they're going to pick 20 engineering students from the United States and send them to Japan to study. Gotcha. You should apply. And I looked at her like she had six eyes um, <laughs> because I thought, have you not heard the Lara O'Connor at the time, Lara Hodson now, <laughs> the Lara Hodson plan? It does not involve going to Japan. <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at me and said, when will you ever get the chance to do something you would never do? Mm. And I hate it when people ask me a question I don't have an answer Sounds to. Sounds like that's where that started. <laughs> Absolutely. The and I thought, planning. you know what? She's right. And so um, I applied and was selected as one of the 20 and uh, found myself in Japan having signed an agreement to speak no English. So my charades got really good <laughs> before my language <laughs> skills developed. And then I just discovered I had a love of I think the reason I love traveling internationally is because when you can go somewhere else and look back at the United States, you see your own world so differently. You have a greater appreciation of home. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me this relationship you have with these guys with the last name O'Neill and Piaz. <laughs> <laughs> so after business school, um, I had come back to Atlanta and uh, was part of the team that built IXL back in the sort of web I crazy days that. with Bert Ellis and Bill Nussie and Steve Floyd and um, just a great, that's probably the greatest collection of people I've ever worked with, quite mm -hmm. honestly. Uh, one of our clients was Shaquille O'Neal, Mike Piazza, and Shaq's agent, Leonard Armato, had come up with an idea to do custom footwear, sort of like mm -hmm. what Dell does for computers. Yeah. And so we wrote the business plan for them and we helped them raise the money and they said, great, now you need to come and run this. And so <laughs> I went out to LA and built a footwear business with uh, very large people. Yeah, we got a lot <laughs> to talk about in that arena. So you talked about uh, businesses, more businesses grow in business rather than going out of business. So talk to us about um, a startup versus a scale-up. So, you know, I honestly think that it has never been easier to start a business. 
and you have to kind of pause when I say that because it really has never been easier in this country to start a business. You don't need a lot of capital. You can get an idea going relatively quickly. I mean, you know, I have a 3D printer at my house. We can print a prototype mm -hmm. of what used to take six figures to have made. So I think it's never been easier to start a business. However, I think it's never been harder to scale a business because getting channels to the customer, getting heard in this noisy world that we live mm -hmm. in is very expensive and it's very complicated. So, you know, gone are the days where you come up with a great idea and you just sort of, you know, build it and they will come. Mm -hmm. And so I also think it takes very different behavior to start up a business versus scale up. And last week I was actually in Boston as the keynote speaker at the Harvard Entrepreneurship Summit, and that's what I spoke about is, you know, a lot of us are great at starting businesses, but then when it comes to scaling them is where the real challenge falls. Um, the biggest of which is not getting paid. Yeah. I mean, that is, that's why we grow out of business. It's a, it's a scaling is, I, I would say, the, the impetus of scaling is the maintaining, you know, sustaining the business to grow. Well, I think it's balancing the maintaining with the constant innovation, right? Sometimes growth, people yeah. shift so fast to maintain that they stop growing. Yeah. Um, and in some cases, people are, you know, they, they don't know how to b to build the infrastructure and allow that to grow as opposed to just constantly re-innovating themselves. And, and it has a lot to do with our culture, that rest, you know, that uh, – Rest and relieve yourself of vacation. Rest. Or yeah, exactly. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, exactly. You know, it we used to not have a question do mark. Do entrepreneurs after yeah, yeah. know that word? <laughs> but 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 we've been conditioned to work for the weekend, uh, right? Retirement, right. which is not even a hundred-year-old concept. Right. That it, there's a destination as opposed to focusing on the journey. Well, and, and I think too that a lot of people start a business to build a job, not to build a company, yeah. and and that's great. I mean, there are a lot of people who start a business to build a job, and when they're done, it's going to go away, and that's one type of company. Yeah. But for people who are building companies that really want to live, they want the company to live beyond their Legacy. career, yeah. um, that's very different. And most of the small businesses I talk to, it's not that they don't have a great idea. It's not that they don't execute the idea. It's not that the idea is not profitable. It's that as you start to scale and you start to sell into larger and larger markets, um, the ability to fund that growth is just not there. Yeah. And traditional solutions, quite frankly, don't work. So doing more of it isn't going to help us. <laughs> well, what, what would you say one of the things um, – I, I have my answer, and I think um, when we, we talk to our oh next guest – Oh, it's like guest, Jeopardy. You're going to give me yeah. the answer and I get a <laughs> right, question? Exactly right, yeah. our, our next guest <laughs> is going to speak to that uh, because he you know, kind of – kind of gave us a little yeah. uh, you know, clue to what that is. But what do you think that, that element that is needed? When we talk about legacy, mm -hmm. what is that? I mean, because you talked about somebody uh, creating a job right. as opposed to something right. that would be more. I think the biggest key to creating a legacy, and this is a mistake that so many entrepreneurs make, is you often hear people say you have to be passionate about what you do. I absolutely disagree. You do not have to be passionate about be what good you at do. It. No, I don't no, even think you have to be that. In fact, I think, for example, there's a lot of things I'm good at that I don't like. And I think, unfortunately, when we're younger, if we're good at something, very well-meaning adults around us encourage us to do more of it. The but the fact that you're good at something doesn't mean you love it. Mm -hmm. But beyond that, I think what happens is if you're passionate about what you do, then you stop listening because your ego is in the what. It's mm -hmm. in the cool widget. It's in the cool product. What you have to be passionate about is not the what, it's the so what. Or you the why, is that similar to why? Similar to why, it's the impact, right? So okay. for example, 
Um, most people who know me know that I don't like finance. It's not my passion. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's funny. I'm writing <laughs> yeah, a finance company. Right. Yes. Yeah. Because I'm not passionate about the what. I'm passionate about the so what, which is that every day small businesses call me and say, I tripled my business because of you. I hired 10 new people because of you. The what I do could change tomorrow. But the so what can't change. The so what is changing the world. It's yeah. the results and the outcome. Absolutely. Right, yeah, yeah. And that's what your ego needs to be in. Because if your ego's in the what and someone comes up to you and says, oh, you should change this, then you're going to get defensive. Like, what do you mean? I built this. It's beautiful. It's like <laughs> my child. You <laughs> right. can't tell me my child's ugly. But if my passion's in the so what, it doesn't matter if the what changes. Yeah, yeah. That's the key to a legacy. Because if you're passionate about your what, you will never scale. If you're passionate about the so what, world's the limit your child can be a hella keller and be an amazing person right so um, Abs yeah so talk to us about um um i think the definition um uh, the french definition of uh, entrepreneur is um work without vacation right <laughs> isn't that <laughs> no, the translation actually, yeah. you know what i think that's also a mistake that a lot of entrepreneurs make and we talked about that last week up in boston I see so many people that say, I can't take a break. You know, I've got to work 24-7. I can't get away. I will tell you that the first time I stepped away for a few days was not only the greatest gift I gave myself because I was able to look at my business. Instead of working for my business, I was finally working on it. Mm -hmm. But it was also the greatest gift I'd ever given my employees because mm. if you're <laughs> there every day telling them what to do, you'll never know what they can do on their own. And so you have to give them that freedom. But I think the best definition of entrepreneur is to pursue a goal without regard for the resources currently under your control. Wow, mm, I, I love good. that one. That's good. So we just have about a minute left here. So um, leave us with a couple of uh, thoughts on this work-life balance uh, issue. So what are some tips or some um, that you might be able to share? So if you haven't figured out by now, I'm a contrarian, so I'm going to challenge everything you say. <laughs> <Right>. um, <laughs> I often hear people say, you know, how do you balance it all? Because I do. I, you know, I run a business. I am room mom at my son's school. I started a charter school in southwest Atlanta that I chair the board of. And people always say, how do you balance it all? My response is I don't, and I don't want to. Because I think we often say, can you have balance, yes or no? And it's the wrong question. You can have balance. You don't want it. It sucks. Mm -hmm. Because <laughs> balance, think about a playground with a seesaw or a teeter-totter. If it's balanced, there's two things we know. Number one, nobody's having any fun because you're both just hanging there. But more importantly, everything's average. And I have no desire to be an average mom, average wife, or average CEO. And so long ago, I told myself that I was no longer going to try and have balance. What I was going to do was optimize. So when I am working on something, I am 100% focused on it. And it, it's shocking. You'll see people at the playground that think they're with their child, but they're also doing work on their phone. Right, right. You're doing neither of them well. Your right. kid knows you're not paying attention to them, and you just spelled every word in that text <laughs> wrong. <laughs> right. And so, but if you give the attention you need, within 10 minutes, my child has gotten all the attention he wants. He's off doing something else, and now I can go focus on the next thing. He's actually telling so you to go optimize. spend more time. Yeah, he's yeah. done with me. Exactly. I mean, believe me, 10 minutes is the max. Um, the key is to optimize your time, not balance it. That's great. All right, and speaking of time, we're going to um, segue to our next guest here in just a moment. But uh, would you share with us the best way to reach out to uh, uh, and find out about your services sure. and company? And you can go to www.nowcorp.com. All right, uh, so hang tight. We're going to circle back around with a couple of more follow-up questions. But I um, want to remind our listeners, you're listening to uh, Georgia Business Radio. And up next, we have Brian Preston. Uh, Brian, welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So um, 
Uh, tell us a little bit about, you kind of gave us a teaser about um, what's coming around the corner here at LeaderCast and um, a little bit of projects that you've been working on. Give us your backstory. Uh, how did you um, end up here today at the studio? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, I was telling Laura actually in the lobby that I used to be a home builder and uh, just have always had a passion to build and create and construct and just the um, just, just blown away by seeing something uh, from nothing become something and yeah. just uh, everything that goes into that. And so I've always been infatuated with building as a kid. I, I was the kid, you know, building tree houses instead of playing you know, uh, playing in them. Play, yeah, exactly. <laughs> playing Nintendo's or whatever. But uh, so I've always been infatuated with building and creating. And so um, right out of college, started my very first business, uh, young entrepreneur, actually majored in sociology, uh, yeah. which has nothing to do with running a business. <laughs> but I heard it was the easiest thing to, to <laughs> right get a degree yeah. in. So um, we just started um, started created uh, a company from nothing and um, had very huge success. And then, as you as we all know, when the recession hit. Um, had some pretty poor investments and just basically lost everything. I mean, wow. lost our house, our car, everything. Uh, our whole Jeez. company was tied into um, our business. And so it was that time of my life that I was asking those legacy questions like, man, if, I, if I'm in this situation, who else in my community has been affected like I've been affected? And so just uh, actually started working at a church as a creative director for a while. So it was there that I learned how to tell great stories I really uh, learned a lot uh, about marketing and just um, what it means to tell great stories. And so um, I still had a passion to build and uh, was introduced to a community uh, in Douglasville, Georgia, which is where I was on staff at a church. Um, And they were, uh, there's homeless guys living in Douglasville. I didn't think homeless people live in Douglasville. I thought homeless people live in in the city, right? Yeah, around the city. So this idea of rural homelessness really (laughs) intrigued me. And uh, we, develop relationships with these guys and uh, found out that one guy was a carpenter. He had a disconnected cell phone of uh, a, a deck that he had built in somebody's backyard. Uh, didn't have any minutes on it. He just had pictures. He used it as a camera. Wow. And so just kind of started getting my wheels turned a little bit. My wife had found a new addiction into Pinterest. She was uh, <laughs> right. pinning all these little de- – she knew I was, you know, could build and stuff. And so she had all these little pallet wood tables and benches, you know, uh, pinned and she's like, "Hey, can you build this?" And so I'd go out in my garage on a Saturday and just start building stuff. And um, we'd bring them out in the house, and people say, "Where'd you get that? That's so cool!" You know, that's not like something you'd see at a traditional furniture store. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit more rustic and and um, natural. And natural, yeah. My wife said, "Well, Brian built that in the garage." So I was in my garage working one day and just had one of those aha moments where it just kind of connected. I was like, "Hey, we can employ some of these guys to build furniture." So that's kind of where it all all began. And now you see your stuff everywhere in that uh, inspirational uh, sh- uh, work share space over there in Rome. You, you got your, you know, pieces of your artwork there and restaurants and, w- I mean, just about everywhere. Uh, thanks a lot. Yeah, so it's, you know, we really, it was, it was really cool to see Chick-fil-A was actually one of our first clients. We, we started working in my garage. We started taking pictures. Uh, I was telling Laura, basically organic uh, guerrilla marketing through social media is mm-hmm. how we really got the word out about what we were doing. And uh, Chick-fil-A hired us to do this little project, and it really it helped us to move out of the garage <laughs> into a warehouse, and um, just been growing ever since. So we were talking um, beforehand about the um, this giveaway at LeaderCast, but uh, th- th- talk to us about the tiny house movement and how you got involved in that and what's happening at LeaderCast. Well, I think HGTV has just definitely kind of been a uh, megaphone for this tiny house movement, and I think the whole philosophy is – you know, you, you can have a place mortgage-free, live off the grid, 
Um, and it's, it's basically this uh, less is more type mentality. Something that we've been intrigued with, and, and uh, you know, a lot of our guys have housing issues. Um, as you can imagine, a lot of them, you know, they, they have no credit. Um, and they can't get it. They can't even rent an apartment. And so we're just thinking about the tiny house movement and what could we do to, to kind of launch uh, a movement to, to not only give our guys a job, but also give them a place to live right. and thrive. And so we said, hey, let's do a raffle. Uh, got some great friends uh, that run this little uh, uh, business called Brother Moto, and they did a giveaway of a motorcycle last year. Oh, wow. Raised over $40,000 with a uh, you know, $2,000 investment of a motorcycle. Right. So it's like if they can give away a motorcycle, <laughs> I can give away a tiny house. Yeah, you'll show them. Yeah, yeah I'll show them. So that's kind of where the idea came from, and um, all the money we raise goes to our foundation, which is our nonprofit arm of our business. Um, so yeah, and, and talk to us about the nonprofit in a second. Yeah. But for those folks that haven't heard of a tiny house, I mean, it, it kind of describes it, but as yeah. best you can on the radio. Yeah. Uh, what's the premise behind yeah. and what size and what's the application or who would be a, a, a purchaser, if you will? You know, a tiny house is uh, basically a uh, a structure that is two hundred and fifty square feet and less. Wow. <laughs> so um, most of them are built on uh, tra trailers, so they're mm -hmm. mobile. Right. You can take them from place to place. There's guys that take them that, you know, it'll take them cross country. Right. And so um, it's really for, you know, it's for the minimalist. It's for the people yeah. that are, are looking for to try to make, you know, uh, living in something uh, very small <laughs> work. <Right. laughs> uh, I've got four, you know, I've got, there's four people in my family, two beautiful daughters, and I, you know, looking at this thing, it definitely would be very challenging to make it work. But yeah. you see a lot of uh, millennials that are really into in, into this, and and uh, so I think it could work. Well, I've seen some of the videos of it, and it's just amazing. It's like the IKEA space. When you go in there, you're like 374 square feet, Correct. and everything's here that you need. I'm like, it's it's just mind boggling. Um, and um, so, talk to us about the foundation and uh, the, your nonprofit. Yeah. So that's a great question. So we we created our business four and a half years ago we and we really we really kind of put the staking around and said hey we are a for-profit business we're a job creation business mm -hmm. a lot of homeless um a lot of homeless people uh are really um you know they a lot of them struggle with entitlement and so we didn't want their work to be based on how much money i could raise or we didn't want their work to be based on charity per se mm -hmm. but as we dove more and more into it we realized that you know they're even though they were bringing home a paycheck every week, getting paid, um, they were still having a lot of issues around housing. I actually have a couple of guys sleeping on our shop floor right now. And so this foundation is completely designed to, to answer the housing needs. So we're going to go out and purchase a duplex and uh, create some affordable housing. They will wow. be paying rent right. um, you know, for it, but it'll be affordable. There'll be no down payment. Uh, it's just very expensive to get their own place, and, and a lot of times they don't have credit. So, I mean, you hear stories of this in third-world countries around the world, but it's just amazing, like you said, right here in Douglasville and folks like you uh, helping these people that are um, have these challenges. And there's still, we're, there's still a lot of people from the ripple effect of 2008, believe it or not, right? Yeah, that's what we're seeing. You know, we, we get emails and calls weekly, hey, I need a job, I need, need some oh. help, and I'm, I'm such a people pleaser. I want to hire everybody. Right, but, right. <laughs> but we realize that, you know, we, we're very intentional with who we bring onto the team and, and make sure that we're helping them long term. Tell, so us, tell us about the, the name Layman Luther. That's a great question. So the name comes from my grandfather, Layman Luther Wilson. And um, as a kid, he was, the, he was the guy that I had in my life putting tools in my hands and showed me how to do woodworking at an early age. And, and 
you know, as we were, I remember seeing him kind of struggle a little bit with poverty growing up, even though he could build anything. Uh, I saw him, you know, share his crops. He was a farmer, a mm. mechanic, a, a carpenter. I would see him share his crops, uh, you know, with other people in the community. Wow. He was kind of known as the guy that would come around and, you know, give people corn. Or, and so just naming the company after him is just kind of creating, you know, this this legacy. This Once uh, again. Yeah, yeah. Of the why and the what. That's so right. What, right. That's right. <laughs> you uh, feel that. Of American craftsmanship, you know, it's something that we really want to try to strive to keep this art alive. And, and most – you know, most guys that have been affected with homelessness um, actually have been in construction at some point okay, in time, and right. they're builders, they're makers. Right. So uh, it's really about kind of creating this um, idea of American craftsmanship alive. Mm. And it's a much cooler name than Brian Preston. So how would uh, we got a couple more follow-up questions here. But first, how would uh, folks reach out to you? At least like three different entities going on here, right? <laughs> yeah, we've kind of got a lot of different things going. Yeah. The best way is laymanluther.com, L-A-M-O-N-L-U-T-H-E-R. Um, we also created a, a website for the Tiny House Giveaway. It's tinyhousegiveaway.co.co. Okay. Um, they can find us there. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all social social media outlets. So people would um, contribute there, explain the process. They can make a pledge or a donation towards uh, or buy raffle tickets, if you will, right? That's right, yeah. Online. There's three different entry levels. $20 gets you one entry, $40 gets you uh, six, and then 100 bucks gets you 15 entries. We've had people enter. It's a, it's a U.S.-only yeah, okay. entry, So, um, but we've had people all over, and they're so excited about it's really beautiful. My wife's a designer, and she and this thing really looks amazing. Yeah, I've seen it. It is. It's it's very impressive. Thank you. And um, so the actual uh, drawing will take place at Leadercast. The actual drawing will take place next Tuesday, which is okay. May tenth. Okay. Yeah, but it will be on location at Leadercast. Oh, really? You can tour it. It'll be right in the front. So. Come by and see us. I'm, I'm trying to recall who we had on, but she was talking about um, a lot of the code issues of um, in different cities in That's terms right. of the tiny houses, so more of an advocate for the industry, if you will. Yep. And um, so we had this aha moment of like um, uh, looking at our studio. We could create a tiny house and then just take the, the <laughs> take, take the, uh, the, yeah. the, the, uh, the radio on the road, right? Hey, I know a great builder <laughs> if you guys. Well, yeah. now yeah. That you I think say, I do, too. Now that you say they're mobile, yeah. I yes. mean – that's the way to go. You could create an Uber for tiny houses Most and definitely. disrupt oh, wow. Airbnb. That row. could just show up when That's you need right. it, where you need it. Yeah, yeah, let's talk yeah. after. We'll, oh, we'll wow. Let's yeah, <laughs> let's talk now. <laughs> Lock the door, yeah. That's a great pun. Let's talk now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I just got that. I was just saying it. That's a new show we, had, we just launched in the studio. Yeah, yeah. I love that. We need to talk after the show as well. So we're going to be a lot of conversation, folks. Uh, uh, apologies to our listeners in advance. You won't be involved in the after-show conversation. But, tune uh, in. Yeah, tune in. All right, so um, um, I was just hearing your story reminds me of one of my favorite inspirational quotes. And, um, uh, and Brian, you're, you're welcome to steal this, if you will, or borrow it. But your whole message and your whole mantra about the tiny house, and uh, whether it's from the homeless and helping folks to the folks that just really want to be that uh, minimalist, right? And one of my favorites is simplify life to elevate purpose. Mm -hmm. So if you get rid of all that clutter, all that noise, and all that chaos, and the 12 bedrooms and the 19 bathrooms, and um, right, but simplify life to elevate purpose. Mm -hmm. So that's kind that's of good. Um, I'm definitely stealing that. Yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's all yours. Thanks. Um, so in just the last couple minutes we have left here, we'd like to kind of do a little bit of roundtable and ask you guys a couple of questions. So um, uh, what's a uh, challenge in your business on a kind of a day-to-day -day ongoing basis? So we'll just start with that. I think our greatest challenge right now is that when a small business hears about Now Account, um, their first reaction is, what's the catch? It sounds too good to be true. Right. 
And so it matters who you hear about it from. I could stand outside with brochures and I'd look like a you know strangely dressed used car salesman. Um, and so for us, it's been mostly about partnering with people that have that trusted voice to the small business. So we've partnered with you know, credit unions, um, some SBA lenders, uh, chambers of commerce, companies like Coca-Cola, Marta, and all of these folks, when you look at, you know, Marta, Coca-Cola, they want to spend more money with small business, but they also recognize that if they did that and they take a long time to pay, they could actually kill the very business they're trying to help. And so now account kind of bridges that, um, you know, whether it's a contractor trying to work with the Atlanta airport or Marta, um, you know, being able to get paid on day two allows you to hire those people and, and deliver on that project so that you get the third and fourth and tenth project. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, um, Brian, talk to us. What, what's a good day look like for you? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I take my kids to school every every day. It's kind of daddy-daughter time, you know. <laughs> we just kind of meditate on the day. And and and, um, and then I'm, I'm right into the office, and usually it's, uh, you know, meeting with the guys, obviously – uh, human, you talked about what some of our obstacles, human resources is obviously with our business is a big issue and something that we constantly have to put a lot of uh, emphasis and money into. So we just kind of meet together every morning and just kind of talk about what our goals are for today and this week and this month. And so um, after that, I'm usually, I'm kind of the lead designer too. Right, so right. all the products, <laughs> most of our uh, work is custom work. So we're, I'm sitting at a laptop on SketchUp designing products and then um, and uh, usually half my day I get to go out and shop and build, which nice. is really good. I got a great team that handles a lot of the office right. uh, in and out stuff. So, um, yeah, so it, it's different every day, though. Um, getting to build something new every day is so cool. You've but just uncovered a secret because we both, I walk my son to school every day, too, and wow. it's the best for 30, 40 minutes really of my is. day. Mm-hmm. It really is. That wow. may be the secret. It's the secret. All right. One of them, anyways. One of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay. And uh, so finally, we were always intrigued to, um, uh, to finish with. In the show, how would you all, uh, what's your perspective or how would you define pro-business in your mind? What's, um, how do you define pro-business? You know, it's interesting because when I think about business, the image that comes to my mind is not a job. It's not, um, it's not even a company. To me, business enables life, mm-hmm. right? I mean, so when people say, we hired five more people, we created five jobs. That's not a number five. I mean, that's five families that now have, you know, the ability to live the lifestyle that makes them happy. And so it drives me nuts when people do something and they say, it's not personal, it's just business. Mm -hmm. That that makes no sense. Of course it's personal, it's two people. Um, And so for me, being pro-business really is just about giving people the opportunities to bring whatever gifts they have um, to bear in a way that makes them happy. And that's what business is about. If we forget that, then that's why it doesn't work. Yes. Well, we spend most of our day in our livelihood. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Brian? That's a great question. I, I, I completely agree. I think, you know, we live in the greatest country ever, and I think you, yeah. you, hit, it's, it's, you know, it's so easy to start a business today. And, and I see a lot of, you know, a lot of them pop up quick, and a lot of them, you know, can't figure out the, squel- the scaling question. Um, but pro business to me is is exactly that. It's it's, I think the greatest one of the greatest things you can give somebody is a job, yeah. and and giving them opportunity and hope and and you know we get to do that every day. Seeing guys that have lived on the streets fifteen years have dignity and purpose wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. and and hope restored. And so I think I think pro business to me is definitely this aspect of of giving somebody a job and and everybody wants to provide for themselves and their families and yeah. it's, it's a great gift. 
Yeah, I mean, they say you don't live to work, you work to live. Right. That. Well, Craig, we do a lot of great shows in the studio, but this is just a very inspiring episode. It sure was. Um, well, we I got two inspiring people. Yes, yeah. absolutely. So, um, and uh, unfortunately, we are out of time for this episode of Georgia Business Radio, but we'll see you this time uh, once again next week. Thank you again for joining Rich Casanova and our guests on the Pro Business Channel. Use the social media links here to share today's show and stay tuned for the next episode of Georgia Business Radio.